Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And I am the lawyer friend. And this is Transpantastic. A podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens around it. Like trips to Florida. Where I peed everywhere. It was fantastic. Tell me about why it's fantastic to pee everywhere. Well, I have had a hang-up about public bathrooms for a very long time, maybe even before transition. Uh-huh. Hey, that um, totally makes sense. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's fair, yeah. yes. Yeah. You you, yeah. you, and, you and uh, probably a majority of the trans population, go ahead. So after my surgery, it just it actually got a little bit worse. And, you know, shy bladder syndrome to like the nth degree. And so... After probably, your lower surgery. Right. Okay. And uh, especially because I did have a, I had a stricture, mm-hmm. was one of the complications I had. So it took forever to pee. And yeah. So anyway, I was on vacation and I was relaxed and there was sort of no other option. So I peed all over Florida. It was great. And I wasn't even drunk most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> okay. We did go to the Keys and I did get drunk occasionally. So then of course, you know, you as always come over and hang out with us because hanging out together is a thing that we do because we are friends. Yes. And I'm over explaining this because I am tired because we are getting ready for George's lower surgery. Which I'm here we- because I'm very excited. Yes. And there has been a lot of prep work to get that done. Yes. And the prep work hasn't just been like trying to get the clinic to tell me actually when the surgery was, but also getting all of the people lined up on the calendar to manage our household while we are away. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a majority of it for me. The other part is dealing with the pharmacies, which it, it's always trial error and lots of aggravation. There have been a lot of shortages of a lot of important things lately. Yeah. So I still need my pain meds. You got everything else. Yes. But I don't have the pain med prescription at the pharmacy that actually has pain meds. And by the time I get a hold of the clinic on Monday to ask them to change it, we hope that they still will be at the pharmacy where they are now. We asked them to send all of your scripts to the typical pharmacy around the block from where we live. Mm -hmm. And the pain med was the one that they didn't have. So we called all over the city and figured out where are... Because there is a shortage. Yes. And when we found the one, they said, okay, now you just have to call your clinic back and have them send the script over. We can't get it transferred. No, because it's a pain med. Right. So then getting a hold of the clinic, we'll see if they still have it by the time they get it. Yeah. Yeah. That and and the coverage thing. Like on Monday in the morning, this person comes and does the pills and drive the kid to school and all that kind of stuff. But anyhow. but, But while our lawyer friend was here, I figured also I could say, hey, do you remember any of these things? He shakes his head no, <laughs> because it's hard to remember. It is kind of hard to remember, especially the first couple days when you are on some pretty heavy pain meds. And, and you had your surgery through the same clinic or same doctors, um, the main doctor, but the doctor I'm seeing trained under Dr. Mosser. And now they have they do the surgery at the hospital, which you did not have because you had it a long time ago. I had it completely outpatient, which is the fact that you're having it in the hospital is actually fantastic. And that's great because I don't know, you know, it, it wasn't bad how I did it, but it's, I didn't really appreciate this until much later is that it, I mean, this is amazing. Major surgery you're talking about. I mean, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah, and to do it 100% outpatient is 
sort of insane. It, it's completely insane, but this is how it works in the U.S. And of course, I was also paying out of pocket for all of this because my insurance covered nothing at the time. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to be in the hospital, I would be paying all of those costs right. out of pocket also. And, and instead, you have a family member who happens to be a nurse and had no problem helping you manage your junk. And thank God for that because there would have been no other possible way I, it ever would have worked. Right. Not nicely, anyway. It very possibly could have been a literal shit show. Ha ha ha. If I had not had that help. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And that was, what, 2012? 20... What? No, it was after that. Yeah, I think Because we were already living here, weren't we? No, because we were in the house down the street when we took him. Because I remember he was in that bathroom when he was taking four freaking ever. Oh, yeah. And I remember him explaining that. So it was before, it was sometime between 2012 and 2015 was when we moved here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When was it? It would have been you know, 20, either 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. I think Had to it, have been 2012 was, because we were living there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it, I want to, if I remember right, it was in the fall. Mm-hmm. And that would have been. And, yeah. and then it would have been 2013 when we were taking you back for revisions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I got to go have beer while you were having revisions. That's totally so. not a good deal. <laughs> that for you. <laughs> not for me. I don't know, man. You got your dick fixed. <laughs> that's true. I did get it fixed, which you desperately needed. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could pee better. And, so, and that's the thing is that was one of, that didn't really become somebody smarter than me. It might have become obvious sooner, but it was not a real obvious problem until, geez, weeks or months afterwards. Right. And then having to get, so I had, because I had the two complications. One, I had the fistula, which became pretty obvious pretty quickly. Yes. And then I had the stricture, which took longer. Mm-hmm. And so apparently those are both very common yes. complications. And so I had them both and mm-hmm. got to deal with them both. And it's because you're common. I guess. Very, very, <laughs> I am extraordinarily ordinary. <laughs> So I, I dealt with them both and it was going back to that sort of, this is a major surgery. I guess in some ways you have to have some expectation that things will not always go 100% right. Yep. That there will be some problems and complications Absolutely. of one kind or another. Yeah. Like getting your pain meds and uh, grandma's scheduled to take a kid that morning, but she doesn't drive when it's snowing. So, and so of course, that's when we start getting a blizzard for fuck's sake. W- yeah. Anyhow... Yeah, I expect I expect there could be complications. I think it is a big saving grace to have that two days in the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's a big help that I'll be staying at Cousin Vinny's mm-hmm. because it's a comfortable spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so my questions to you are more about like mobility and pain management and stuff like that. I don't really remember having any real mobility issues. The main thing was I I couldn't sit in a chair. Like I had expected to be able to sit and work on my computer and stuff and, and that was not happening. So you had Im- immobility issues. In, in the sense that I was in the bed pretty much all the time, mm-hmm. long enough to read all of the, um, what is that book series? Lord Wheel of, of Time? No, the... Um, uh, um, oh, geez. Song of Ice and Fire, yes, that one. Yes, Yep. I read all of the books. Oh, God. I read all of them because like, that's how long I was Well, in all of them that had been published to that point in that 2012. Point. Yes. Correct. Okay. Right. And so I read all the books because that's pretty much all I could do. Mm-hmm. But as far in terms of actually like getting myself up to go to the bathroom or something like that, like that really wasn't a problem. That's cool. I'm impressed that you could read. I don't know... 
on pain meds if I'm that functional. I plan to listen to things, like listen to books. Well, reading is typically not your way of, your most effective way of absorbing information or absorbing content anyway. If it's just for enjoyment, I'll sit there and read. Okay. Yeah, just kind of like you got wrapped up in your book today and you really enjoyed that. And, and uh, I'll find some books that are like that. The Murderbot series was totally like that. Yeah. You don't want to put it down. Yeah. But you want to save some for later. It's so, hard. It's what it is. Do you have lots of books to take with you? I have some audio books and I do have a few paper books. I would highly recommend because I, I am I prefer reading much more than listening to books. And so I purposefully and I was very glad that I did bring literally a stack of books mm-hmm. with me. Okay. That's why I love my Kindle. Yeah. I have a stack of books and it's in a Kindle. A half an inch thick. Yeah, I, I get library books <laughs> yeah. through the library. Through the yeah, and mm-hmm. and also I can access the Kindle mm-hmm. books it just has and there's plenty of books in there. So I do have plenty of books and I also just have the iPad because I might sit there and watch things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that That's totally good. fine yeah, too. You can watch movies and Yep. And uh baseball started today, spring training started today. I can listen to baseball. Mm-hmm. And that is always a good thing to doze off to. <laughs> so it's about yeah. all I'll do with it. So you said it, not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless you can be at the ballpark or uh, with somebody yelling at the TV. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I don't mind the social aspect of sports ball type things. Mm-hmm. Like I used to watch football and hockey in Michigan with my friends because... That's what you do in Michigan. Exactly. And so like if there's a big sports ball episode on, then you go and put on your sports ball cosplay and go watch the big sports ball episode. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's a social thing. It's, you know, if I was watching it on my own, I would completely lose interest. I'm still interested, but on pain meds, I might... Uh, and spring training can be a little bit... It's not very exciting. It's, and baseball is, you know, the step up from golf. So there you go. It's fairly slow paced. It's mm-hmm. There are moments of excitement. At least with punctuating the, with the long team, stretches of... With the team I'm watching anyway. Okay, fair. Yeah. Some of the other teams, they got more action going on. Not mine. So, but anyhow, back to dicks. Uh, <laughs> see, I've got all of Jess's jokes. Lately. Your face is wonderful. <laughs> it's only with you guys that I can talk about dicks. Yeah. Th- That's why we keep bringing you over. That's funny because we, we do have more people to talk about dicks too, don't we? We do. Yeah. You, you need more dick talking friends. I don't know about that. Well, and even... <laughs> I yeah. think I agree. <laughs> okay. Well, that's well a, yeah, I see. That's kind of how you are, though. That's mm-hmm. what makes you guys so great. Oh, thanks. But I don't necessarily need more dick-talking friends. <laughs> okay. We are so great because we are the dick-talking friends. Yes. There we go. You're, okay. so, you're so good, I don't need any more. I did actually go tell the boy this morning when I woke him up, morning. Morning. It was not afternoon yet, technically. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, you know, I have to go out of town and I have to have a surgery. Remember, like... When you had to have the circumcision mm-hmm. done, you know, when you had to have your penis fixed. And I said, I have to have something like that. And actually, my balls fixed too. And then we both looked at each other like, we're not talking about any more of this. And he said, okay. And I said, okay. And I, I said, so other people are going to be here. Like grandma and, you know, stuff like that. Yep. Coming and going and taking you to school. He's like, okay, cool. That's all I Do not talk to me about, about your dick. <laughs> Which is hilarious because you know he's always been like the dick patrol. He was, but I think... Once you actually present him with the information, he's like, oh, now it's not fun to hunt for anymore. No, kids are like that. They want to bother you until you bother them back. 
That is so very true. Yeah, yeah. So so you were asking him a bunch of questions downstairs about like his experience. Yes. Him, our lawyer friend, not our boy. Correct. And not Bob the dog either who's sitting right here. So I was asking you about how long until you could travel back and how long until you felt like pain actually got managed and stuff like that. So in terms of travel back, it was really dictated by the schedule of the post-op. It was dictated. Because I wasn't... It, oh my gosh. I can't help it. It's Jess's jokes. I've accommodated all of them. Yes. So it was uh, dictated by the post-op surgery schedule because mm-hmm. you don't want to travel back and forth if you can help it. Obviously. Right. Because you're going to have three or four post-op appointments in the two to three weeks after your surgery. Yes. Right. So I think I was there for, I want to say, about two weeks if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And then right after my second post-op, then I went home and I didn't go back until I had to have the fistula fixed, which was probably, oh geez, it's been so long, I can't remember now. Probably, I would say six weeks-ish post-op, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so so yeah, it's mainly that schedule on when they have you come in for post-op. Right. And they, they gave me a schedule of two days in the hospital, then I would go home for the weekend, then I would come back four days later, and they check everything. Mm-hmm. Then I come back like six days later, and we have a void trial, and then, we, then I come back a few days after that. So it kind of depends on what they see at each of the post-ops when the next one is. So the last one could be 12 days later. The last one could be 17, 18 days later. I won't know that until we get closer, but I was really wondering about how is it going to be? I don't think the roads have gotten better between here and there. They've definitely... They've probably gotten worse. Yeah. And like I said, I, I don't remember it for... Real clearly, but I do seem to remember leaning my seat way back. So you're not sitting like all the your weight sitting. You're kind of laying back some more, laying down. Mm-hmm. Um, was a little more comfortable because okay. it's a fairly long trip, right? As you know, right. But it sounds like if I can lay back, that I I can probably travel. You know, I, I can manage travel. Yeah, it won't, and especially you know you have your pain meds, and by then it, you'll probably be two weeks out already, and it won't it won't be bad. It won't be a big deal. Won't be- won't be too bad. No. And that's the other thing that you said when we had first started talking about this was that your pain, like actual pain pain, not just like discomfort and healing pain, but like actual wound pain lasted for just about two weeks. Yeah, approximately. It, was, it wasn't It was really that long. It was the main, I mean, the first couple of days afterwards, of course, are the, the worst. And then it subsides after that and probably by, I would say, week two or three, I was like, woohoo, pain meds. Now I actually feel pretty good. (laughs) I probably should stop this now. Yes, (laughs) thank you. When I start to not need the pain meds, I just forget them. Yeah. Or I take longer in between. They don't make me that happy. I know they make most people happy, which is why they become a problem for people, but they don't do that for me. a different pain med than what you're going to be taking. I think the one I was taking... I can obviously, I can see how it can be addictive, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but I don't know that the one that you're taking is good. I'm not taking way. any yet. They have not given me any pills. Well, so make, make yeah. sure you get them before you go. Well, yes. the good thing is you didn't take all of the ones from your hysterectomy. So even if it takes us a while to get this cluster of finding pain meds figured out, 
I I have several doses left because I only took three doses, but we also have like five five days to get them. So, but yes, I I understand. I have to get the pain meds. That's a priority. It is a big priority, and I don't care where they come from at that point. They can come from a pharmacy here before Jess leaves, or to, if you're flying out there, you can find what's what's there. Yeah, that could be a more more of a problem with insurance. Oh yeah, but I could look on GoodRx and see if that's an option. But we would doing all these things. That'll be the next thing Mm -hmm. to get managed. So I found it interesting that one of the things that's on the instruction sheet from the clinic is about, you know, post-op and when they first want you to have void trials and they want you to pee standing up and some people are, it says on the paper, some people are not comfortable standing up to pee. I have been standing to pee for nine or 10 years now, because where we live, typically, if you go into anywhere for a restroom, there's one urinal and one toilet. And I need to be able to use the urinal because I'm, you know, for when I was traveling for work a lot in the last couple of years, you know, we just stay home and use our own toilets. But but at the time that you first transitioned professionally, you were on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. And so you did just have to be able to use the bathroom while you were in between locations that you were working at. Yeah. So I had to make sure that I got very used to the STP, which has always been the homemade one that's worked best for me. But you said you, you have not liked and I think dealing that, with the restrooms. Yeah, that was part of my hang up with the restrooms is I never had a lot of luck with the STPs. I, mean, I could kind of get them to work, but half the time it was a disaster. Yeah. And so that just an- added to the anxiety and all of that stuff. And and I mean, that was actually, I mean, one of the major motivating factors for having lower surgery as soon as I could was because like I said, back in those days, nothing was covered by insurance. It was right. all pay out of pocket mm-hmm. and it was expensive. But if I can actually pee without peeing all over myself, then, you know, mm-hmm. that's the whole point, right? Where the STPs, I just had nothing but problems. And I had that problem too. And I think part of that is just differing anatomy. Right. Like George just never had any problem with that because mm-hmm. his anatomy just... Yeah. And some people don't. But no. I, I did have problems with all of the STPs that you buy. Only the, the homemade, homemade one. one in the 10 years I've been using it, I have maybe peed on myself a little bit twice. And that's a pretty good record. That's pretty good. Yeah. And that's actually ultimately what the one that finally worked the best for me was also a homemade deal because, yeah, the mm-hmm. ones you buy and all that, it just never worked out. They work for some people. And a lot of guys seem to really like them, but there's all the other parts of how to pack them and how to make sure that, you know, don't fall out and different types of things involving straps and so forth are not comfortable and etc. Like the time I was going through the San Diego airport and it was busy as fuck and I forgot to take my STP out before I go through the oh gosh. fucking mm-hmm. Yeah, that was problematic. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. They don't know what to do with you then. Well, I took it out and I managed to stick it in the bin right before I went through. Oh, wow. wow. Nobody said anything. Impressive. Nice. I'm sure some people noticed, but they were too polite to say anything or something like that. That's, hey, it works. Wow. (laughs) That's... and you're afraid of the public restroom, but you just pull your dick out of your pants, put it in the bin. I did. Let it go through the scanner. Yep. D- did you put it right back or just take it with I you? I put, no, put it right back. <laughs> wow. Which everybody's putting their belts on and okay. shit. That's know, really ballsy of you, just saying. <laughs> oh, jeez. See, I, I usually love a good pun. I even love bad puns, but... Oh, yes, on, absolutely. <laughs> I, I can't help it. It's, it's just as... <laughs> 
I think this is pre-surgery yes. anxiety as well. I, I think it is. <laughs> it is. It is because I said to one of my friends the other day, I said I had a lot of balls in the air, but I was hoping pretty soon some of them would be attached. Ah. So... <laughs> Because we had so much going on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But at least it's funny to me. It is funny. So I don't, you know. Well, it's like Alice humor. You have to kind of. Oh, yes. You got to. And I yeah. mean, I, I also enjoy all the puns, good, bad, and otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, absolutely. Good on you. So yeah, it does it does get better. Although it's also, I, I found out that, you know, when you go into men's rooms and you're like, why is it so fucking disgusting in here? Like, and well, it's because sometimes you aim it this way and it goes that way. <laughs> Yes. And that's just apparently how it is. And now, mm-hmm. I, now I understand. Now I know. Yeah, that's why urinals are so helpful, too. Because it's a big porcelain thing to aim your so the, the good ones. You have are, a yeah. better chance of, of you know, something. getting it down the drain. But a lot of people still don't manage. They don't. That is true. Yeah. I also won't uh, flush them. I know that some of them are flushable. And some of them automatically flush, and then there's some that don't at You're all. You're that guy that doesn't flush them? I won't, you know. Why not? I'll tell you. Because when I've gone to the ball games in spring training, the fucking things splash. Oh. And so I never flushed one again after that. I was like, too bad, man. Somebody else can do that. You don't want to get splashed by the urinal flush? I don't. I'm yeah. not even cognizant enough to come up with a joke about that. That, that must be something particular to that stadium or something where you're at. Uh, I don't know that I've ever... I saw it at, when we were at Galley, there were backed up. Uh, some of those urinals had water in them, and I, did, I, I didn't know if they were supposed to or not. Well, when they, I when think they when they're they, backed up, it's it's bad. Yeah. You can usually tell if they're backed up. Yeah, yeah. Is, it's a bad deal. Yeah, I like the ones the best that are not flushable. The self-draining ones, yeah. right? Yeah, those ones are good. Those yeah. are called. So, yep. I'm not shy about the bathroom, but I've had more like forced practice than you did. Yeah. I have been uncomfortable about even being naked in the house. Like, and in part that was, you know, it's dysphoria is what it is really. But as, as, uh, we've said before on our microphone, uh, the boy has sometimes been like a dick patrol, like trying to understand. And I think he sincerely was just trying to understand. Just curious. Yeah. Okay. You look like my dad, but. You weren't before, so what is going on here, you know? It's it's the curiosity that all the cishets have and, and he shouldn't. he is. He's a cis- And he is. He's the only member of our family who is cishet. Mm-hmm. And In this house. I have plenty of cishet family members. You do not. Correct. But also, you know, I meant member of our household, not yeah, just our family. Yeah. I should have said household. Yes, mm-hmm. you're correct. Yeah. What you were just saying about being shy came up because while you were in the bathroom, I think, or maybe dealing with the child, our lawyer friend was like, yeah, I've always been shy about using the bathrooms. And I said, well, George never has been, but he's been shy about other things. And he says like, what? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't think of anything. I couldn't. And like, I know that over for even just the past year, there have been two or three times that you've said, no, I'm too shy about that, or I'm more shy about that than you are, or jacking off. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was not comfortable about getting off if I just woke up in the morning and you're sleeping or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Meanwhile, I have no problem. Like, if you've fallen asleep, and for, for you, it's in the morning. For me, it's at night. Yeah, night out. And if you're if you're already asleep, I'm not going to wake you up, and I'm just going to get my thing done. So you can go to sleep. So I can go to sleep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But you've always been more more conscientious about like not wanting to be seen or have someone aware of. Yeah, yeah, a little shy about that. <laughs> little less shy lately. Little less shy lately. Mm-hmm. 
You have been. Yeah. You've been having more fun with it lately because you're sort of like, well, if I'm going to be getting rid of it soon, I might as well see what I can get it to do. I might as well have my fun with it while it's here. Yeah. I don't feel as uncomfortable about the way my body is right now, knowing it's temporary. Kind of like that, that kid's book we have, The Backwards Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're only going to have it for a day or something, you might as well find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So there's that. And I feel a lot better since my hysterectomy as well. Mm-hmm. I just feel better. I want to say emotionally, emotionally and cognitively better. I don't know if I can really describe it any other way. Well, that's good then. Mm-hmm. So more comfortable. Yes. With everything. Yes. I like it. Mm-hmm. And you've never been comfortable with any sort of sexy anything. Not really. No. I'm a big fat prude. I wasn't sure if mine was, you know, the Catholic upbringing. They don't mm-hmm. want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But I think it can be families or culture otherwise as well. It could be because I had an evangelical upbringing and I even went to Jesus College and I was out as fuck at Jesus College. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but because, of course, I am the extra sexual person here, then, of course, my question for our lawyer friend was, how did you deal with your libido and did it go away? Did it take a while to come back? Did it? How? What? 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 <laughs> It it did not go away. (laughs) And that proved to be rather challenging because, you know, obviously you want to, but you really can't and it hurts. And, but you still want to, you still want to or need to, as the case may be. I I feel that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that is for whatever advice I can give is be careful. Well, and I felt that way with the hysterectomy, which was November. The next day, I thought, uh-oh, I have to wait how long? That's kind of the how The very next was. day, That's yes. kind of how it was for me. It was yeah. literally the next day. Wow. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. That will now, be challenging. That will be challenging. Now, question for the lawyer friend. Was it like that with your hysterectomy, too? Because you got your hysterectomy pre-T. No, it wasn't that, that way with my hysterectomy. And that was um, that actually was covered by insurance. And it was actually a medical issue. Mm-hmm. And I guess... Um, yeah, because you had the never-ending period. Pretty much. <laughs> and I'm tired of fucking bleeding all the fucking time. And yes. just done. Yeah. Um, and so, like you just said, I felt... I I just felt much more comfortable. Like mm-hmm. I never have to worry about that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because it's all internal, it, that's, uh, at least for me, that was a little bit easier that, you know, there's other things you can do that yes. you're not going to, but when you have the meta, it's sort of like, well, mm. it's yeah, a lot more that's, challenging that's it. to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good to know. So yeah, it's it's going to it's going to be tough. I guess hold out as long as you can. I mean, because I like I said, I, I literally thought like, oh shit, did I cause myself all these complications? Because you couldn't. Because I couldn't wait. You couldn't not right. But I think unless you were exceedingly vigorous with yourself, you which you can't be because it hurts too bad. Right. So so I I find that highly unlikely that you caused yourself your own complications. And like I said, they're common complications. In right. Your, but. Right. Yeah, I can see that you wouldn't have the same problem when you had your histo if you weren't on T yet, because the T is really the driving force here, I think, in my experience. So, Well, the other thing is, for you anyway, George, that you had your last shot, what will be 10 days before surgery, and usually you get it a week before. No, not eight days. Eight days. Eight days before surgery. Your math was wrong, and I was having a hard time letting it go. Sorry. Right. Okay. And so, like, by the time that you would usually start feeling it petering out, (laughs) 
See, Sorry. just did it this time. But you're the one who raised your eyebrow. I was ready to walk right past it. Yeah, okay. I was going to miss that. So are you going to not take a shot for a while? They told me what? not to take a shot as of a week before. Okay, but and I usually after. So in three days, uh, three days after the surgery. So when I go to the hospital and go back to the house, I can have a shot. And I don't know that I'm going to really care too much in the meantime. My shot's usually on a Tuesday night and the surgery is really early on a Wednesday morning. So it will be just barely eight days. And then I will be sedated for several hours and on a lot of pain meds. I, I'm sure I will really want my shot on Saturday. Oh, I'm sure you will too. Yeah. but uh, So if you don't have your shot on on time, does that cause you, I was going to say emotional distress, but I don't want to use the legal term, but is that, I mean, do you have mood swings and all of that crazy? I did before, mm-hmm. and since the hysterectomy, I do not. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I feel it. I feel like, oh, it's it's my shot day, or is it my shot day? But you um, also had a full histo, and you only had a partial lawyer friend. Right. So you still have ovaries that are also having a function on your Well, and here's the thing. need to get the fuck out okay. because of that. I was going to say, podcast. they should know because they should do that. You should have that checked out. And you can go to the gyno that we went to mm-hmm. because she's dealt with other trans guys. That thing, one of those ovaries started embedding itself into my side. It's atrophied into the you abdominal wall. You don't want and, that to be happening. You to have that scraped out. And so, yes. yeah, that made me yeah. think, well, maybe it, now's the time. Well, and she yes. did it with the robot. So she yeah. can yeah. do that for Lapras- you. I think that it's medical neglect to me that the doctors are not taking care of this sooner. Well, they advised me of this and I went against their advice, to be perfectly honest. And so now I'm paying for it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, what I I was getting to with your shot is if you're not going to have massive mood swings and stuff by not having it when you're used to having it, you might want to delay it further because of the libido issue. Right. Because at least for me, a couple days after I've had my shot, then it's like, woo, let's go. I don't think I can go too long. I probably could have a, a smaller shot and my endocrinologist has said that's fine mm-hmm. to do that because right after the histo, my numbers went out of control like three times what they should have been. The roof. And he couldn't figure out why. And so we re- reduced the shot just a little. And when I did my last T levels, I did it on the day of the shot. So it was low, absolute mm-hmm. low, was 400 something, just 404 or something low, like that. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So, and he was totally fine with that. And he figures it's not going up more than, you know, he, you go to the same guy. So like mm-hmm. 600s is what he likes. He doesn't mind if mine goes up to 800 because it doesn't seem to affect my blood work. Mm-hmm. So I think I would probably still have a shot. Saturday, but maybe have half a shot, right? Or maybe have three quarters of a shot or two thirds, and then just might wait a ten more. days again to the next usual shot day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, that makes sense. Make it a little more manageable. I think. I think you're right. Good thing we were talking about this because, like I said, for me, it was literally the next day. That's well, even with the pain meds, <laughs> even with the pain meds, oh, yeah. and even with your mother as your caregiver. Yes, which made it even more awkward. <laughs> Fuck. Well. And and that's a thing I've I've over time, especially the first five years, moved my shot day because of the increase in libido affecting my whole week. Like I had to move it closer to a weekend at first, just so I could deal with it. And then eventually we ended up with a Tuesday because typically if we go to town, it's um, Monday or Friday. It's yeah, yeah, so we don't. It doesn't usually affect that shot day. I always have stuff the stuff with me, but you know I have all the 
syringes and swabs and the tea with me and everything because I'm always concerned that you can get stranded somewhere. And because I had mood swings so so much before the uh, complete hysterectomy. So I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Smaller shot and then and wait, wait all the way 10 yes. days again. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Thank you. Because I am the person who gives you your shot. Yes. And he has to deal with me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Love you. Love you too, dear. <laughs> I'm sure there's so much more to talk about. They're dicks. What else is there to say? (laughs) Like I said, it's a major surgery and it took longer than I was expecting, I guess, to fully recover from it. And you have tubes coming out of places you're not used to having tubes come out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all very, it's actually, it's at least for me, the surgery process itself and the recovery, it actually is a little bit traumatic. Well, and that's a big advantage that I'm in the hospital because they're just going to wheel me in there and put me there and they do not want me to move around for 24 hours. You had to freaking come out of the clinic, get in a car, go to where you guys were staying. That's moving around that they don't want me to do for 24 hours. So that's an advantage. Yeah, they're going to wheel you to the anesthesia recovery room and then they're going to wheel you to your own personal or shared or whatever recovery room and like they they just want you to they're not going to like have you getting up and doing anything. It says that in the paperwork. It says you will not be moving around the first 24 hours. Right. So I think that's a uh, that will help a lot because that seems like it would be extra trauma to your body having to move after that. I actually don't think that that's the worst part because I mean honestly I was so drugged up like I don't even remember how it's still just because you're drugged up though doesn't mean it's not a shock to your body. But I think it's the what made it the traumatic part is the part that I actually do remember was just how long it took. You have, like I said, catheters coming out of everywhere. Then I ended up with the complication, which became fairly apparent fairly quickly. And then there's the dread associated with that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you have to travel back and you know things don't heal up as quickly. And I guess the, like I said, it's, it's just like any major surgery. And that was the most major surgery I've ever had in my life. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I assume it's whether you break your hip or whatever, I assume it's something similar that there's a certain amount of pain and trauma and recovery that you go through that. There is because I've had a worse surgery than this. That's true. I think. You have. Yeah. Yeah. With the colon surgery, it definitely was worse. So yeah, I expect this is going to be a very big deal, but I've already decided. So it, it does, I'm not going to let it worry me. Yeah. Good. I'm just moving forward no matter what happens. Yeah, I don't say that to make you worry. I guess it, I, it's manage your expectations, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. Is My expectations are definitely pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to be like the Cyberman. Pain, pain, pain. <laughs> yeah. The pain may not be as bad, but it's like for me, what was partly frustrating is just not being able to go do the things that you're used to being able to do, like yeah. to go hiking, to go. Oh my gosh. You know, stuff I, like that. My legs would be killing me within a few days. Like, oh. if I cannot go and, like, walk or be on the elliptical or yeah. do something with my legs every day or every other day at the very least, I am, like, not happy. In fact, what I did before my surgery is because, if I remember right, it was in the fall and during the whole summer, I was actually in some of the best shape I'd ever been in my life. Yeah, in you terms were. Of, mm-hmm. you know, hiking and running and doing, you know, Tough mutter and all of that stuff. I remember and, all that. And I think, yeah. like, what the fuck are you even doing? Well, but- then I stopped. 
stopped doing all of that a month before the surgery because I knew if I can't do anything, I'm going to go insane. Mm -hmm. I'm going to absolutely I, I remember being like that and just going to visit, like going to visit my mother and her husband in Chicago. And I would get there and I'd be like, holy shit, where do I go to move around? Like I have to move. I yeah. have to run. Yeah. I have to walk. I have to hike. I, I have to do something. Like and I know where the gym is that is closest to Cousin Vinny's house. And I am taking gym clothes with me. Good. And I have I a couple of people who I am possibly getting set up to walk around the lake with. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to need to move. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to need to like not just be cooped up in the house with you all day, but then you also will not be happy being cooped up in the house all day. I, I think it'll be fine. I'm going to do a couple things for Vinny, providing my plane leaves on time tomorrow. And then I expect to be sitting around and I've done it a few times on pain meds. I did it after the histo recently. I can do it. That's, you can just sit around. I can. I, I shuffle around after a while. <laughs> okay, fair. And you, you and Vinny were like, what are you doing? I was just shuffling around. And you were, and it was kind it's of not... adorable because you're just like, oh, I'm just going to putz around and do the little putzy things. And you did. I can find things to do that are not going to get me into trouble as far as healing goes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Please don't break yourself while you're healing. I won't. I will be sad. I would be too, I would imagine. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be stuck there longer. And then our lawyer friend will have to go and take over for me as your caregiver when I have to come home and start parenting. Yeah, that that's what would happen. So I, I will. And I'm not a very good caregiver, so. Well, and that's what? the thing. By that point, it's not so much caregiving as it is keeping company and doing the very few things that require core strength. <laughs> Because yeah, neither neither the person who's just had abdominal surgery nor cousin Vinny with EDS can do anything that involves moving things around. Well, I can I not good for much, but I can move things around. And Vinny's <laughs> very good at saying, "Can you do this thing?" and describing it perfectly because they're an engineer. So, so thinking about this now, like. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. So what did you have for breakfast this morning, just so I can see your level? I had cereal with 2% milk. Are you comfortable sitting back like that? Would you like me to sit closer? Well, the thing is, if you're going to be like leaning back, sitting up, leaning back, sitting up, it's totally fine. George does that all the time. It's just like, give me a level sitting back and then a level sitting up. How is this if I just... If that's comfortable for you, if that's where you're going to be good for the next hour, then okay. fine. I'll be good right here. You will. You're very close. I might actually do... But I'm a little quieter. You are a little quieter, but also you're very close, and sometimes you get loud. Sometimes I get loud, huh? Not so much lately, because we've had kids in the house all the time, but... <laughs> but I'm giving Jess all their jokes lately. And it's very funny to me. Turn yeah. the tables. Yes, turn the tables. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. So... Oh, shit. Turn off the... Um, I'll get it.
Yeah, you wait, because we're stuck back here. What the what? There's a white noise machine. Oh. I leave it on because if Oops. I hear noises at night, uh, it'll wake me up. Mm. And if the noise machine's on, I won't. And, and there's teenagers, so there's going to be noises out teenagers. there. Teenagers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like these pants. should get rid of them. <laughs> uh, 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 found it. <laughs> Tight around the calves now you're gonna and find loose around the waist, which is really fucking weird. But girl clothes are just weird. Yeah, they sort of suck. Yeah, I need to start buying man pants again. <laughs> man pants is. <laughs> we'll come back to that. We should do our intro before we lose all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, silence. There was a big swallow. Well, you didn't ask if I was ready for silence. Well, you said we should do our intro, and the intro has to have silence. I know, but usually I don't say anything, and you tell me. And just because I'm saying something doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm not even intoxicated. (laughs) No comment. I'm going to save that on my phone and play it back to you. Just because I'm saying something doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about is going to be. That's fine. It, you should make it your ringtone when. <laughs> okay, so are we ready for silence and our intro? I'm trying to be ready, yeah. Okay. Just follow his directions. He knows what's up. Okay, sometimes. Hi, I'm Jor. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready? <laughs> we haven't even been. I'm are not you, intoxicated. Are you intoxicated? I had a fucking horchata. I'm the only one who is intoxicated, and so far I'm doing the best of all of us. It's because you just shut the fuck up. That's usually my, my best route. Right? Uh, usually mine too. When in doubt, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. okay. Trying again. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Jess. <laughs> okay, now I need the bathroom. I'll be okay. right back. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I should go get that other beer now. <laughs> if we're gonna be at this for now. You you should. I will. Yeah, I'll go be get right it. back. Yeah. You might as well. <laughs> Are you good boy? Are you good boy? Who's your good boy? Not you. You're naughty dog. Naughty. You are both terrible and I love both of you. Where'd he go? He went to get the other beer because he said if this is going to take a while, he might need to bring that up here now. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say you are both terrible and I love both of you because I am equally terrible and I know it. (laughs) Hi, I'm (laughs) George. What the fuck? Like, hello brain. That was awesome. (laughs) It was totally awful. (laughs) Okay. Now stop making us laugh. pulling my jokes all night. Yeah, probably yesterday, too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. For a couple days now. Yeah. I'm gonna swabble. You're gonna swabble. Ah! Oh. I don't know how we're gonna get through this podcast. <laughs> what, what did you think we were going to talk about? Okay. We're here to talk about dicks. Come on, now. Ready when you are. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And I am Blue. <laughs> <laughs>